Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today we're talking about gardening with low water input, also known as low water gardening. Now gardens generally need water to grow, but do they need as much water as what we've been giving them? quite an interesting question and there's a big movement to have low water gardenings being an option. Drier summers and droughts are becoming a lot more common for many gardeners and depending on where you live it might already be the norm. Reducing water can also mean that you're going to reduce the amount of inputs that you're using in the garden so you might be using less fertilizer if you're using fertilizers and it can also help reduce weeds. And in this sort of gardening, we are wanting to leverage the water that is already in the ground. We want to get our plant roots to go further down into that soil in search of the water that is already there. So how can we store more water from winter or the rainy season to use better in our gardens? Well, water catchment and storage is one way, um, but another is to improve the soil and make the capacity for holding onto the water so much better. So let's talk about how you can use less water in the garden by improving the soil. So step one, we're going to talk a bit about where your garden might be, because if you are lucky enough to have flat ground, flat ground loses a lot less water to drainage than if you're on a slope. Now, I'm on a slope here at Mossy Bottom. Uh, I'm on a north facing slope, so that's um, even more fun to work with. Um, but a slope, you're going to lose a lot more water to gravity and drainage. But building things like a terrace or a swale or even hugel culture beds are going to help retain more water in an area. You want to plan those structures carefully on a slope though so things don't all come sliding down but a swale is going to help kind of keep the water in one place so it can slowly seep into the soil. Hugel cultures absorb moisture, they absorb it into the wood that is in buried in that bed and help release it slowly over time. And of course, the terrace is providing an area for you to actually plant on. And sometimes you can combine a swale and a terrace or even a hugel culture bed and a swale um, can be combined together. But we want to think about those carefully because if we've got too much water being stored in an area, then we can create a bit of a landslide. So we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. So plan things like that carefully if you're on a slope. Another option is an in-ground or a sunken garden bed, also known as a waffle garden. And these are techniques that are used in arid or dry areas. And they're pretty common in drier um, areas as being like a traditional way to garden and farm. And they help to capture the dew and help your plants get more water that is already available. Now, a sunken garden bed is going to retain water much, much better than a raised bed or even a level bed. So that is something to think about depending on where you live. If you have clay, heavy clay soils, for example, then a raised bed may still be a better option for you to help with that drainage because we often recommend having a raised bed if you've got heavy clay soils because they're going to help dry out much quicker. You're exposing more soil to the air, to the sun, to the wind, so it will help dry things out and it's not overly waterlogged. But that's not something that we're necessarily wanting 
when we're trying to do a garden with low water. Now, one of the other things that we definitely want with a garden where we're using less water is a deep soil with lots of humus in there. The humus is what's going to help conserve the moisture. And we can help build these deep soils year after year in our gardens by adding well-rotted compost and disturbing the soil less. So if we're using a no-till or a no-dig method of gardening, right, like using sheet mulch to create our beds and things and just layering these organic materials on top that are going to break down over time, we're going to help to improve that overall soil health as well as increasing the amount of water that that soil can hold because we're raising the organic matter that's in that soil so we're increasing the amount of humus that's there and it's going to help conserve more moisture so that's always a good thing when we're thinking about using less water in the garden now step two by not tilling the garden beds we're definitely going to reduce water loss from the topsoil, but we want to make sure that that soil is covered in our garden. So we want to help keep the weeds at bay and stuff. And mulch is going to be your new garden bestie. Mulch is going to reduce the weeds, and especially if we're using thick layers of mulch, which is kind of what we're wanting when we're really wanting to try and conserve water. We want to use at least three inches, if not more. We want to make sure that our plants are not going to be competing for the water in the soil. So keeping things weeded is very important. But the mulch is also going to protect that soil from the sun. So we're going to get less evaporation and less water loss from the sun baking that soil. So if in doubt, put some mulch down. Step three, we don't often talk about windbreaks, but they can reduce evaporation from your plants. So your plants are going to make use of the water that they already have available. And windbreaks can be things like an edible hedge or planting taller plants to act as a buffer. So, you know, hazel is a permanent windbreak that is often recommended growing Jerusalem artichokes or sunchokes is also another one and um, but you could use corn as like a temporary windbreak or sunflowers something that grows tall and don't forget you could also use screens or fencing as a windbreak and what we're trying to do is reduce that impact and the speed of those prevailing winds in your garden because it's the wind that's drying out your plants so if you've got kind of a garden and it's in a windy area then you might want to consider looking into windbreaks to really help your plants grow a bit better step number four is improving the soil structure before planting our veggies and we can do this by using cover crops now some cover crops we can sow in summer and we can leave them in over winter so the field radish or tiller radish is a good example and that one helps to open up the soil now cold winters will kill a thing like a tiller radish and what happens is it's going to leave behind all this mushy plant matter that will be providing nutrients and also humus into the soil so when that plant breaks down it'll leave kind of a gap space there where water can get in now other cover crops like winter rye for example they've got long roots that can help grow deep into the soil i mean they go really deep like a couple of feet 
And they, what they can do is they can help make channels for worms and other soil life to bring humus and compost deeper into that soil and start to open up the subsoil. So your plants are going to be able to go down even further. And if those plant roots can get further down, guess what? They're going to have an easier time getting hold of the moisture that is lower in that soil. So through the course of the year, your water level changes. And um, by leveraging things like cover crops which we can you know add into our rotation strategy for our plants um, and our gardens and crop rotations and stuff we can actually give a, a bigger benefit to our garden by using things like cover crops and green manures um, so you know if you're planning your crop rotations you want to be giving like a long time between planting the same um, plant families together so for example you wouldn't want to be planting potatoes right after tomatoes or tomatoes you know in the same spot as you grew peppers the previous year because they're all part of that same family they're all part of the nightshade family and um, if you keep planting the same crops in the same space year after year you can build up various um, pests and diseases in the soil that can be pretty difficult to eradicate so you want to be providing yourself at least a three-year gap in between four years or more if you have the space available one of the ways that you can have more space in between your crop rotations is by using um, green manures and I've done a couple of podcast episodes about green manures and um, you know in the home garden we don't often talk about using green manures and there's not a lot of gardeners who really use them um, you know because it's not something that you're necessarily like getting something edible back right it's kind of it's a different mentality that we need to think about when we're using green manures because it's not something that we can necessarily like eat to use um but if you have like chickens or rabbits or another kind of source of um food on your backyard homestead that you might be thinking about then you could definitely leverage these kind of green manures to do that but also we're thinking about feeding the soil here we're thinking about adding more nutrients to the soil that we can leverage and use later um, as well as providing that break but now we can also start to think about well we're trying to make these channels easier for our plants that are going to be coming in behind these green manures to have an easier time growing into and getting further and further into the soil now let's talk about plant timings we want to be planting when there is moisture in the ground we don't want to be leaving our planting until the soil's dried out so earlier in the season the water levels in the soil are much higher i mean if it's where my garden was last year then there was a pond there for quite some time there was a lot of um soil moisture in fact so much it was on top of the soil but we want to be thinking about the best timing for our plants so you know if we plant earlier in the season the water levels in the soil are going to be higher so your plants have got easy access to the water in the soil it's going to help them get established quicker and through the course of the year or the growing season that water level is going to be getting lower or it's going to be going deeper into the soil so those plant roots need to go further and deeper into the soil to find the water and this is kind of why bottom watering your seedlings is going to help your plants get established better because your plants are already kind of getting used to sending their roots down deeper in search of the water so even as baby plants you can be starting to prep them for life outside and having a better 
um, time with trying to find where water is in the soil. Now we don't want to be rushing out with our warm weather crops like things that are frost tender plants you know like your eggplants and your peppers and your okra and stuff right we don't want to be planting those right at the beginning of the season when there's still risk of frost. We want to make sure that the temperatures are warm enough for what we're wanting to plant. Otherwise, you could lose your plants to the frost. So you want to be using a bit of common sense when deciding what to plant out and when. So if you've got things, you know, earlier in the season that you're wanting to get out, maybe your cool weather crops, you know, your your hardy greens, your onions, those kind of things that can tolerate that cooler weather, we want to be using those. And then as soon as we're kind of confident that our, you know, temperatures are past the risk of frost, then we can start to think about getting those warm weather crops out you could also just water in your plants and seeds at planting time and then not water them again after um, you've planted them basically to encourage that deep rooting in search of the water and that's something that some low water gardeners will do they will only water that one time so if it's sowing the seeds or if it's planting their transplants after hardening them off that is the only time that they get water other than that they're on their own and this isn't a new technique like I've seen people use these type of low water gardening um, techniques in various places it was pretty common on the allotment like not everybody was getting onto the allotment to water plants on a regular basis other people were just letting the rain um, you know provide the water and in, in other places, you know, this was kind of the only method of um, growing food that was there because there wasn't any water um, available easily because it, it was a, an arid area. So, you know, there's there's lots of these kind of techniques that have been done before. And luckily, because we live in a digital age, there's just so much information that's available. So definitely like have a look at, into this type of gardening so you can get some more tips and see what's going to work best for where you are. Now let's talk about step six um, because plant spacing is different in low water gardening. So for when we're thinking about an intensive garden we're trying to get as much in the space as possible but when it comes to low water gardening you actually want more space around your plants because we want to reduce that competition for the water in the soil so your plants have got a better chance of surviving and being productive with low water. Now you can start with the wider spacing that is suggested on the seed packet if you're wanting to try this in your garden. But know that some plants, you know, like potatoes, for example, or sprawling vines like squashes, they need a lot more space to be able to grow. Um, so you can take a look at what spacing is typical for these sorts of plants and then try a slightly wider spacing um, to see whether that is going to work for you. But know that just like there are people, your gardens are just as unique as you are and you might find that a smaller spacing works better or you may find that a larger spacing works better for where you are. Now let's talk about the plants because there's some crops that can grow with low or no water inputs. Um, I did tomatoes, potatoes and summer squash using low water last year um, but melons and drying beans and corn can also work depending on the region that you are in. Some crops like um, 
tepary beans, for example, are drought tolerant beans. Um, I think these are actually native here to um, North America and they they thrive under low water conditions and they're I don't know why they're not as popular as what I think they should be, um, but they are a plant that does very well with low input. So it's a good place to start. And you could look at any online seed supplier and you can search for drought tolerant varieties of your favorite veggies and look to starting with those but don't be disheartened if you want to try this without buying new varieties of seed you can definitely try it with what you already have and low water input for your garden isn't going to give you a high yield right i'm just going to let you know that straight up like the plants that i grew using low water had much lower yields but but this is a great step into seed saving because your plants that are growing well can be really good candidates for seed saving to grow your garden from the following year. So each time that you save your seed and grow plants from them, like using these low water, low input techniques, you're adapting your plants and your garden to lower inputs. So over time, you're going to start to see better yields because your plants are kind of used to how this is growing and thriving and in some cases you can have much better tasting varieties because of these low water inputs like melons for example like a lot of um, gardeners will say that you want to hold the water on your melons as they're starting to ripen because it concentrates those natural sugars in the fruits and makes it taste much sweeter so I would love to hear from you do you garden with low water inputs let us know how you grow over in the Facebook group and until next time I hope your garden grows beautifully and I'll see you all next week.